Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Tell a friend to tell a friend. He's back. Oh, hi there, dear listener. This is another episode of For the Love of Sport. Whoa! Air horn noises. Air horn. We're back. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to be back, Marie. Welcome back. I love ah. looking at someone that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's one of the fighter things. Be a little lonely just like looking at yourself. I, I hope people are like listening to this and just. Yeah. <laughs> well, they also, were. For some reason, like when you're recording yourself, you know, your voice just kind of changes like a little bit. It's yes. not really like you're having a yeah. conversation, but it's like the phone voice. Yeah. I yeah, felt yeah. like I was kind of doing that. So this feels a lot more natural. <laughs> I'm a phone with customers. A lot more natural. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. I, I get that 100%. Well, but you did great. Let's, well done. Thank you. Round of applause thank for you. you. Thank you. Uh, Let's not beat around the bush, though. Sure. How the heck? How the heck is parenting going? Oh man, the people. What? The people want to know. Yeah, like all dads, I got a big box of uh, parenthood talent at my door right when uh, <laughs> you know the baby arrived, and uh, you know I'm batting a thousand. You know, with all decisions baby related, haven't questioned a single one of those. Sleeping about fourteen hours a night. Probably more. Probably, probably more. Sleep more. Now, yeah, huh? actually, probably way more sleep now. Uh, the baby's first words were, "Sorry, you were busy. Go ahead." And uh, really just, I'm crushing it. No part of me is uh, worried, concerned, frustrated at all. And uh, yeah, just batting a thousand. Wow. You know, I, I was expecting you to come in with a different story. So I'm, I'm very impressed with you. Simon. Is that like, this is happening real life? No. <laughs> okay. Not there even we go. the slightest. Back to reality. No, 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 no. It's uh, parenting is wonderful, amazing, terrifying, and frustrating all at the same time. Every little, you know cliche that you hear is a hundred percent true, but it's equally as rewarding and fun. And you never realize how much you can love something until, uh, until you see your kids. So, you know, baby Mac is fantastic. Mom is doing great. I am, you know, back at work and my head's in two different places and it's, you know, it's fun and hard all at the same time, but thrilled to be back. Thrilled to be talking about youth sports. And, you know, speaking of parenthood, speaking about, you know, Taking something and really caring for it, nurturing it, seeing it grow, seeing it develop, and seeing it succeed. Can we talk about uh, Wrexham AFC, the wonderful parents slash owners, uh, Rob (laughs) McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds? A huge congrats in order to them. Oh, my gosh. I feel like maybe first it... First and foremost, similar some to our guests work. that are coming yeah, on, if you haven't heard of heard of Wrexham, uh, they're a soccer team, a professional soccer team out of Wales. 
that Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney decided maybe two or three years ago now that they were going to purchase them and hopefully turn them around. They're a historic club in a historic community, a city that loves their team and are in the lowest tier of the English Premier League. So how that works is there's like five different layers of professional soccer. They were at the bottom of the bottom for the last 15 years. And they essentially bought the team in hopes to turn that around, ingest some energy, uh, probably a lot of money as well, (laughs) into the team. And they just they just won their division and so they're going to be promoted into the uh not the bottom but the next layer up yeah. uh in English Premier uh League soccer which is insane but i think yeah. the real story and kind of how it ties into our guest <laughs> with this is how much they care for and deeply appreciate and yeah. wanted to cultivate the community around the team and the city it's just it, it's fun to watch. They have a documentary, so you kind of get an inside look. But how a team can like really shape a community and really like the impact that it has on a community is wild. It's just insane. It, it's wonderful and joyous. I think I've watched the highlight of them winning the final whistle. Like, oh my god! Seventy yeah. times and them just like this immense happiness all at once at the same time. And it was just so it's so wonderful to watch a community that's been kind of suffering in this the lowest possible tier of professional soccer for 15 ish years and finally, you know, get that yeah. relief and and how much joy and how much uh, pride you can have in your community and how much it means, yeah. how much that means now to the town, how much, you know, mm-hmm. being promoted, not just financially, you know, benefits, but just like all around, like it just means more tourism, means more people, means just so much more uh, involvement and, the, and huge credit to those guys for not just um, pouring money into just the team, but also really being embedded in the community mm-hmm. and helping every team that's part of Wrexham, like the youth, like uh, girls yep. team and the yep. guys team. And it's, it's so cool to see that. And it kind of, it speaks to the level of involvement that it takes to have success um, and see that success transfer to not just your own organization, but your town, your community too, and the dividends that come from it. Huge round of applause and, and all the kudos in the world. Uh, to Robin, to Robin Ryan. I know they're fans. They're huge fans yeah. of the show. Shout obviously. out to Robin Ryan as they are clearly listening to us uh, talk about this. We'll, but we'll yeah, have them it, on for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll get their reactions. Don't worry. We you will hear it here first. Uh, we promise you that. Uh, no, but I, it is true, and I think it's you know obviously we talk about it a lot, but sport means so much to so many people. And that's, you know, why we started this in terms of it starts with you sports and then it carries with you the rest of your life and it can help you, you know, have relationships. And it's just this whole, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. And I think our guests on the show today, the one and only Savannah Bananas, uh, TikTok legends, social media, extraordinaire dancing. uh, I don't know. They dance. We'll just end it at that. I think they have a similar story in regards to maybe not necessarily like, there we go, the dancing dynamos. They have a similar story, maybe not necessarily that they were like a bottom team for so long in an old historic club, but in the sense that they mean so much to their community in Savannah. You hear them kind of talk about how I think it was uh, Kyle who said he went to Savannah and spent summer there and he was like, yep, I'm not going anywhere. This place is special. This team is special. What we're doing and building here is special. And we get to kind of dive deep and talk with them about all that sort of stuff. So let's bring know. Should we, should we get it? Should I get think it going? So. Let's get there. Okay. Let's go. All right. I'm going to kick us off here and introduce one of two of our amazing guests that we have on today from the Savannah Bananas. 
Uh, Kyle Lewigs has been a pitcher for the Bananas since 2018 and was a member of the 2021 CPL Championship team. He also is in charge and oversees all of the youth camps that the Bananas put on, which we will be uh, very much so diving into shortly, so stay tuned for that. He has successfully completed numerous synchronized dances during games and is open to anything that the fans will find entertaining. So I'm sure you can reach out to him and pretty much suggest anything, and it sounds like he'll do it. In his free time, he enjoys going on spur-of-the-moment trips, taking naps, and playing the beautiful game of golf. And line dancing is among the latest talent he has mastered in his lifelong journey of being at least average in every aspect of life. He is joined by Tyler Gillum, and he has been on the coaching staff with the Bananas since 2017, being named CPL Coach of the Year two times in that span. Owner Jesse Cole says this about him. Tyler is a special person. There are only a handful of coaches in the world like him that can connect with players and help them be at their best, both on the field and off the field. He knows how to recruit at a high level and build a winning organization. But most importantly, he under, he truly understands how to build a team that puts the fans first with everything they do. That, I mean, can we just mic drop there and just call it good? <laughs> like, that was amazing. <laughs> we felt like there was no other words that could be used to introduce him and maybe get him blushing a little bit. It is like a prerequisite to be on the show. You have to blush like a tiny little bit. Uh, and when we met these guys before the call today, they told us one thing to prep for. Uh, whatever is normal, we're going to do the opposite. So with that being said, Kyle, Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Boom, baby. <laughs> we're excited. We're ready to have uh, a good conversation with you guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that was that was quite the intro. I'm, I'm truly <laughs> blushing. You hit all the nails on the head. Perfect. We are playing around with Zoom filters, so maybe we'll. This might be our first like actual like video recorded we yeah. share out or send out or maybe just a screenshot. Something. Well, to I was appease. gonna say. Yeah, when I was gonna say, we have to paint the picture. We've got yeah. a yellow cowboy hat, bananas jersey, and apparel Banana running gear. rampant. So it's probably too good not to not to have some eye candy to show all that. So <laughs> we appreciate you guys getting dressed up for us for sure. Yeah, I think, have. you know, if we can start off with our, you know, a non-award winning, really hard hitting, super dive deep question that, you know, really gets the ball rolling. Can you guys tell us about your youth sport experiences? <laughs> Just maybe like recap that for us and uh, how that's led you ultimately here to the Savannah Bananas. Our youth experiences? Yeah, yeah as kids, like playing sports as kids. Both of you guys. Yeah, I'd say um, some of ours probably align pretty closely, you know, just a couple of years apart. But um, I think um, uh, like a driving factor, like you said, you know, kind of jumping into it with doing things differently. I think everybody, you know, for the most part, probably had a, a similar youth um, sports experience, whether it was just strictly baseball or, you know, I played basketball and other sports like that growing up. And uh, you play a lot of them, especially baseball specific. You play a lot of travel ball games and it's a very yeah. you get burnt out from that. Or, you know, you have outside factors from, you know, very hard-hitting parents that are really driving you to play probably more than you want to play. Or, you know, playing 12 games in a weekend and then going back to school and getting into school ball. So I think that we have such a cool opportunity, like we're going to get into in a little bit, and kind of just, yeah. you know, revamping and kind of helping guys fall back in love with a game that maybe they got burnt out of before. I can probably say that I'm a firsthand experience in that kind of realm. So it's cool to have this platform and kind of tackle it from that lens of, you know, how can we get this love back into the game and also impact as many people as we can. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in small town, Oklahoma. My dad was a bull rider. And so I grew up on the rodeo circuit. So if you guys have seen wow. it, 
our games, I, I wear cowboy boots on the field and I've done that since <laughs> 2019. And so a lot of people think I just wear those randomly, but that's who I am. That's who I grew up being. And um, that's because of my the lineage from my dad and his family of riding bulls and rodeo. And so when I was like eight years old, a movie came out called Eight Seconds about the story of Lane Frost. I don't know if you guys have seen that movie, but it's one of my favorite movies. And so my dad my mom and my two brothers, we all went to see eight seconds in the movies. And so if you've seen the movie at the end of the movie, Lane Frost uh, dies in Cheyenne in the rodeo arena. He actually gets horned by a bull and it's a true story of his life. And so that was actually the first time I ever saw my dad cry was in the movies. My dad rodeoed against Lane growing up. And so uh, my dad had this emotional connection, right? So I'm watching this and I'm watching this guy get horned by a bull and I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm watching my dad cry for the first time. And so in that moment, I decided I was either going to be a, a bull rider or I was going to, I was going to get hit by a baseball. And I think <laughs> I basically I'd rather get hit by a 90 mile an hour baseball than a uh, horned by a bull. And so from there, my baseball career took off. So anyway, I, I, in high school, I played for um, Eddie Collins, who in 2021 broke the national wins record um, for wins as a high school baseball coach. So he won wow. more games than anybody else. And so I owe a lot uh, of the things I'm doing in baseball to Eddie Collins is he got me on the right path. But um, I think the love for the game and what we're trying to do with the bananas really um, always goes back to summer collegiate baseball for me. And I, I coached summer collegiate baseball for 11 years and it's very much a looser type of collegiate baseball um, where guys can go have fun and yeah. be around some new guys and get some different experiences. And, um, you know, that's kind of what we built here with the bananas. And we're just trying to make baseball fun again and, and do some crazy things, but also be very competitive on the field. It's such an interesting dynamic too, and dichotomy between the two of like being professional on the field and off the field, I guess, was there something about, can you guys talk about how you found yourselves just a, a part of the organization? Was there recruitment? Was it just, did you guys just have a, were you in the area? How did that occur? How did that happen? Well, we both started, we both had our first year in uh, 2018. His first year coaching was my first year playing down here. And I grew up in Richmond Hill, which is about 30 minutes um, south of Savannah, a little kind of smaller suburb town. And I remember I went off to North Georgia for my freshman year of college in 2017, was looking forward to pitching, you know, having a good year. We had a lot of big seniors, so I didn't get a whole lot of innings. They sent me off to Newmarket, Virginia, which was in the Valley League, which I had no idea where I was going. We played far into the postseason my freshman year, went straight to Virginia from North Georgia, didn't get to go home, played that whole summer and pretty much had like a week and a half to come back to Richmond Hill before I had to go back to school for my sophomore year. Then we got there for my sophomore year and they asked, you know, they asked me and my counterpart, Bill, who was living with me at the time there, you could play summer ball anywhere, wherever you want to go. And my first initial thought was, I want to go back home. I, I kind of miss being around my right. family and, and I want to see them and stuff. And there's something, I'm not really sure what it is, but there's something going on in Savannah. And I'm pretty sure it's college baseball, but I'm not exactly sure what it is. So two days later, our coach came back to me and Bill both and said that we had a, a temp contract to come play in Savannah. Couldn't be happier, finished out the sophomore year and then uh, came down to Savannah. But little did we know we were on like a 48-hour temp contract. Okay. Oh, kind of just <laughs> they failed to mention that. <laughs> so we, we were basically fill-ins before the bigger school guys got there and the guys that were going to be there for the whole summer. So we kind of just hit the ground running. Anytime they said something that they wanted somebody to do, me and Bill were in first in line. 
I threw in, I think the first game threw pretty well, Bill caught behind the plate. And uh, six years later, uh, we <laughs> kept coming back. It was kind of like an unwritten thing. We never really had to worry about a contract after that first summer. We stayed on that full summer. And then we would talk to Gillum maybe like two days before the report date. But you guys are coming back. I'm like, yeah. That's awesome. Can you guys tell us just about banana ball, what it is, the difference, uh, you know, to regular baseball, traditional baseball, if you will. And then my question was when you said something was going on in Savannah, was the bananas at the time what it is today? Or what did that kind of trajectory look like over the last couple, five years, let's say? So it's been building uh, over the years. It's kind of a special build. He's been here since 2018 with me and they came, we came into together the same year and watching this thing grow each year, every year, I always tell everybody, Hey, it's getting a little bit bigger. It's getting a little bit bigger. And so um, really how I, I found out about the bananas, the first head coach was Sean West and he was a good friend of mine. And I was actually coaching in the Cape Cod league in the summer of 2017 mm-hmm. And I was watching what the bananas were doing. They were going viral with a couple of things, our dancing first base coach, a couple of things that they just started. So I was following and I was following my buddy. And one of the big viral things that went big with the bananas that summer is he got actually thrown out of a game. And it was on, we were representing uh, autism night. And so with autism night, we had two different socks on. So when he is showing getting thrown out of this game, he's doing, you know, he's acting like the umpire. He's doing all these crazy antics about the umpiring. And um, as you can imagine, and uh, he's got (laughs) different socks on. So nobody knows what that means. So they're like, man, this guy's wearing two socks, you know? So anyway, uh, Sean was uh, our first coach and he told us, you know, he, I, I watched the bananas grow in 2018 when I became the full-time head coach. Um, we came into Banana Land and we saw the entertainment. We started really building that and, and scripting out uh, what the entertainment looked like, collaborating with the baseball, because our goal coming in was, can we be the most entertaining team on the field, but also be really good on the field too as well? So win games and sell out uh, stadiums. And so as we built that at the end of 2018, uh, a core group of us, our owner, um, our vice president, our president got together and said, hey, we do a really good job for those three months in the summer, May through mm-hmm. August. What can we do outside of those three months? And that aligns with kind of some of our mission and our vision with making baseball fun, making it a little bit faster, making it more entertaining. And that was the first start of the conversation of creating banana ball and what fans really wanted to see. So that originated back in 2018 in the fall and it's grown, you know, a little bit every single year. And then, you know, this last world tour, it really took off. Let's hop into the differences between the traditional baseball and banana ball. Can you highlight some of the main differences? Uh, Yeah. So we got, is it nine? Yeah. Rules that we have collectively. Basically, the way that they um, describe it and everybody says is it's not your grandfather's sport. Basically, we're just trying to speed up the game and make it more entertaining because we did a lot of analytics into um, during the CPL season when we're playing regular games, you know, when are our fans leaving? When are they getting tired Mm -hmm. of watching? What are the slow friction points of the game that make it boring for the fans? We basically tried to eliminate as many of those as possible through throwing in a couple rules and still keeping it historical to baseball, I guess you could say. So some of the main highlighted rules and my favorites are we get the fans involved by if you catch a foul ball, uh, that batter's out, which is one of my personal favorites. <laughs> That's a great one. As for example, like we played in West Palm Beach and I was pitching 
And uh, it actually happened in the second inning. And I think that stadium sits like 7,500 people. Wow. If I'm pitching for the bananas, um, everybody wants to catch a foul ball for the bananas <laughs> to get the party animals out. So I have nine, <laughs> I, have, I have eight guys in the field behind me. And then I have 7,500 <laughs> other that are in the stands. So that makes it cool for them. It's a two hour time limit. Okay. And I'm going with that. Um, we play kind of like a match play setting. So it's almost like tennis. So if the home team scores more than the uh, visiting team in that inning, then they get a point. And the next inning rolls over and they're just up one to nothing. Mm. So that kind of eliminates the blowouts or the boring games whenever there's not really a whole lot going on if you put up a six spot in the first inning. Right. And it also creates for a lot of walk-off moments, which is which is another one. We eliminated mound visits because those are boring. <laughs> You're kind of struggling on the mound. You kind of got to figure it out on your own, which um, luckily I haven't had too much of a problem with that yet, but um, a lot of games this tour coming up. <laughs> you can't step out of the box. If you step out of the box, it's a strike. So that also allows me to pitch as fast as humanly possible if I really want to, to kind of get batters off the rhythm, um, which is a fun one for me to do. So we've had guys, I think I struck, he didn't step out of the box, but I struck out uh, Breland Almodova to start one of the games this past year in 10 seconds. <laughs> Whoa! That's got to be a record. Yeah. Of some sort. Record, actually, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. awesome. It's also incorporating a bunch of new statistics that we're coming up with that are strictly focused on, you know, banana ball metrics for we have MPI for pitchers, which is minutes per inning. So how fast can you throw an inning? Can you throw an inning in less than a minute? And how entertaining is that for the fans? The showdowns is another thing. So if we're tied at the end of the time limit, so it's a two hour time limit at the end of that time limit, if it is tied, we're going to go down to a showdown. And so that's a pitcher, a catcher and one defensive person uh, versus a hitter. And so the hitter's going to try to hit a ball in the gap and get a home run before they can relay the ball back to home play. Oh, my god! So that could be another walk-off moment. It gets pretty crazy. So we're tinkering with that a little bit. You know, we're trying to make the game as fast and as fun as possible and as engaging. You know, it's we're living in this TikTok world. And so, <laughs> you know, as a coach, you know, and, and, and loving baseball over the years, you know, baseball's uh, impacted my life so many ways. A lot of people ask me, you know, does having a dancing first base coach affect, mm-hmm. you know, coaching the game? I was no. if you look at when Maceo goes out, our dancing first base coach, statistics probably say we score more runs when he goes out there. I don't know if it's an energy giver thing or what, <laughs> doing flips, somehow we score some runs. <laughs> so that part of it's really fun. You know, the engaging piece for me is fans after games. So we degree after every game and tell fans, thank you for coming to the game. Oh, that's awesome. And I always have fans come up to me and they always say, you know, Gillum, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I love banana ball or I love coming to bananas games. And so I, I knew there was something there a couple of years ago when I kept hearing that. And then also parents coming to games and saying, Hey, you know, I've taken my, my son or daughter to a big league game but, you know, they want to leave in the third or fourth inning with banana ball like they can't get enough of it. They're locked in the whole time and there's so much entertainment and music going on. They love it. So we love coming to banana ball games. Yeah, that that's so cool. And I think one thing that's probably uh, something that people don't know is how much thought goes into like all those yeah. reasonings you guys gave. It's not like you're just randomly dancing and randomly doing stuff at random times during the game. Like you guys have thought through, like you said, the analytics of when people leave the games, what are friction points in baseball? What are things that are unnecessary and really being intentional about trying to make those pieces fun? Cause I think a lot of 
people, at least I've heard, oh, like it's not traditional baseball or, or they're taking away from the game when in reality, it's just additive to the, the sport of baseball, right? It's providing another outlet for more people to fall in love with the game and probably impacting how many people are actually playing baseball as well. Like I'm sure there's a positive yeah. impact there that you've seen or heard at least. Because I would imagine that your love for the game of baseball hasn't diminished by any means. It's only probably increased it to that point. I always explain like this is like everybody that wants to argue that they want to argue that we're like beating up on baseball. And I always see it as like, we're creating this different sport. That's a lot faster and entertaining. Yeah. And so I, I look at it, I look at it as a, a different sport. We're creating this different sport that is very engaging that people love. And we're trying to create a connectedness with people coming to games. Like we want them to be a part of this. Right. And so it starts with when we go out, with the March at 5:30 when the gates open and we're high-fiving and handshaking and hugs to fans. We're doing the Hey Baby dance right off the bat. We're saying, thanks for coming to a game. And you know, uh, how we filter through a lot of the decisions that we have in banana land, it filters through the question, would fans like this? And if they wouldn't like it, yeah. or if it's a friction point, then we're like, okay, let's get rid of that. Let's change that. And let's do something a little bit different. But the main thing is building that connection. I know as you know, a, a 10 year old, a 12 year old, when I was going to a game, I wanted to get autographs. <laughs> I wanted to be close. If I could get onto the field and play catch, if, if I could meet the player, my favorite player, like I was going to be blown away. And we try to create that never forget moment every single night that we play. That's so cool. I like <laughs> the entire like aspect of it, the whole like concept and entertainment part of it is just so amazing. And a couple of things like came to mind. One, I think most first base coaches out there, if you're listening, admins, coaches, parents, you need to start dancing because apparently there, there's a it direct works. correlation between dancing and runs. So start just cranking up the TikTok dances. <laughs> but two, when we talk about, you know, your guys' North Star, just, you know, make baseball fun. Um, can you talk about uh, and maybe dive a little more into how you are doing that, not only just with banana ball and with this fan bananas, but also into these camps, into these clinics, and maybe talk a little bit more about those. Uh, yeah, definitely. So me and Bill have been over them now for two years with also working a lot of them during the summers. We would run uh, two to three every summer that we were here for the CPL team. So got a good grasp of it. And um, Gillum and his guys really did a good job of laying a platform for us and just a blueprint of, you know, how to run first off just a clean camp and how to, you know, have it organized yeah. and the best way to run it for parents to appreciate it and for it just to not end up in a cluster. And then after that, you know, with it being the other side of our job from playing baseball in the off season, you know, it's really about, you know, with us going full-time banana ball now, how can we incorporate banana ball aspects to hopefully, you know, kids come away from these camps and they're okay, I know what it takes in the future to play for the bananas or to play for the party animals if I wanted to. So we have stations like ball four defense sprint, which is another aspect of banana ball. Um, we have, you know, pimp a home run station. <laughs> We're also doing, we, we've got stuff that, you know, hits the criteria and the basics for fundamental baseball skills. Yeah. But, you know, adding that bananas flair, we always do a dance. Sometimes when we do stretches, we won't do stretch lines. We'll do an obstacle course. Mm. You know, it's just kind of, we can, we can really make it whatever we want, but just kind of viewing it from, you know, if I was a six-year-old and I came to camp, what would be the craziest thing that yeah. I would ever do? And not, you know, necessarily starting camp off at nine o'clock with butt kicks and you can do, you can do more fun things like that. You can let a kid come up and uh, pick what stretch the whole camp does. You can break out in random dance parties. We have TikTok stations. We have interview stations where our, where our broadcaster will come out and interview uh, players during 
banana ball during the games in the afternoon. So it's kind of highlighting them and making them feel like the most important person in the world, but also giving them an avenue to get uncomfortable and, you know, really express themselves and walk away feeling like they know how to become a banana ball player in the future. To both the camps and I guess in your guys's, you know, you're still playing and coaching as well. So how do you manage? Obviously you want to inject so much fun and have all of that there, but you're also still, you know, playing baseball or coaching baseball or, you know, having kids come to camp to play baseball. Uh, How do you manage and keep both of those things you're never weighing too much into doing all the fun stuff. You're never weighing too much into doing the more like technical skill aspect of it. Can you maybe speak through the lens of maybe yeah. the camps to start of how you manage and kind of keep those things both top of mind? Yeah, just from a camp perspective, I think that it really coincides with the way that we that we drove the CPL season and playing with those college guys. I think the more first off, if they come to a camp and they've seen any of our videos, And they know that we're willing to do stuff outside of the box. And it's something that they really enjoy to do. They're not going to follow us if they don't think that it's something that we would do. So it's very easy. Um, Most of the people, you know, all the campers will come to camp and have like a favorite video that they've seen or this and that, which I think is cool for them to come in and first off, just feel comfortable getting wild and doing (laughs) crazy things that we ask them to do at 830 in the morning when they're just rolling out of bed. Um, And then just touching on the like the technical piece of baseball. I think it's cool that, you know, they don't mind doing some of these drills or they're really excited to do some of these drills because they know that we're going to have fun with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's cool to see some of the if some of the parents come in and might be a little skeptical that they want their kid to have fun, but they also want to take something away baseball. So it's cool. You see most of our parents stay for a three or four hour camp just to hang out with us in the stadium and just to see um, how their kid can develop with also, you know, probably most of them walking away. I didn't know that little Billy could dance. I didn't even know he liked to dance. I've never seen him dance in my life before. And I've also, <laughs> he'll take away a, a baseball technical component, um, which is cool. Like I learned this way of fielding ground ball. Or I worked on my prep step. I really honed in on becoming a better hitter or staying more linear whenever I'm hitting. So there's a lot of them that coincide together, but it's very cool to see the drive for them want to work on those, what most people would call boring technical drills when you surround it with a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I think on the playing side, like our theory early was if we make baseball fun, players are going to be loose. And when we when you play loose and you're having fun, you usually play better. Like if you go to any other you know time that you're competing in any event, when you're relaxed, when uh, there's not a high stress level, then you can perform at a higher level. And so that was kind of what we were going for, for early as we kept winning games like in 2018, 19, 20, 21. We started figuring out, okay, this there's really a correlation to this. We won more games than anybody else in the CPL. We won more championships in those six years. We stole more bases. Um, players were putting up better stats than everybody else. That was another thing. Like there was all stars, but there was also a mathematics teacher at Georgia Southern that did a math study on <laughs> the players' stats during our summer, correlating with their uh, collegiate stats. And they looked at all of those stats in line with the other 15 teams in the CPL. And he actually found a correlation that bananas actually play better in a banana uniform. Players actually (laughs) play better in a banana uniform. There's there's a YouTube video about it of him talking about it. So that was kind of cool. But when I came in in 2018, we had this entertainment and we were trying to figure out how to get the players to play really well on the field, but be really good on the entertainment side too, right? So we want to be good at both and everything we do inside of our organization. So we came up with a motto called flip the switch. 
And so flip the switch is defined as going from the baseball to the entertainment, back to the baseball, back to the entertainment in a flip of a switch without the loss of focus or enthusiasm. And you can kind of take that to life too, is maybe, you know, you go to work and then you come home and you want to be present with your family at home. So it's kind of flipping the switch from that. And so uh, we started doing that in 2018. We put together a script. The script is color-coded. <laughs> it's uh, actually yellow and green, and some of it's baseball, some of it's entertainment. But the guys come in every day. They look at the script, and they see basically what their opportunities for entertainment are, and they schedule their baseball routine, or now banana ball routine, around um, all the entertainment. So it's pretty fun. It's scripted out from an entertainment standpoint. Uh, but it's got our players to perform at a high level on entertainment and um, playing the game of banana ball. That same level intensity goes into just like practicing the entertainment bits as well as, you know, doing drills or anything else. I think that's something else that is really amazing because there's no, you're not going into this half-heartedly of, okay, I got to do these dances now. You're, you have to come into that with that same mentality. Otherwise it won't be the same experience. And likewise with the actual baseball part. Yeah, I think definitely just touching on what he said in four or five years playing uh, at the university of North Georgia and at Jacksonville state. And then four summers here for that collegiate team, you know, playing four against the same competition, literally just changing jerseys, playing in a different place. I had easily a better ERA every year that I played down here in Savannah versus when I went back up to college. Some of that stuff can be attested to stress that certain stressors put you on, you know, being at school, um, in just a different environment. And I, I can't tell you how much fun we had um, <laughs> playing on those four four years of CPL teams and getting to beat up on people. But I don't want to beat people, but also dancing while you're doing it because nobody wants to lose to the dancing team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. I, I think I've seen a few videos about, you know, people trash talking and around the dances. And so it's probably even more rewarding when you guys get to beat all those teams because yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, on the side of the ring, we actually put on their stick to TikTok because everywhere we went yeah. and we dogpiled at the end of the season. I love that. That's that was, awesome. That's awesome. Now, I think it's a, a testament to the, you know, organizations, you know, listening. Obviously, it's easy to say you want to, you know, inject fun into your organization, but it's really about are you creating a culture that allows your athletes and players to actually have fun? And I, I love the flip the switch. I think you can take that into as a takeaway, um, whether you're coaching or in your regular life. Um, like you mentioned, that's such a cool concept. Uh, I do want to touch on switching over into the social media realm of all of this. Obviously, that's kind of where you've seen most of your growth and how you guys have kind of gotten to where you're getting. Maybe you guys can touch on, obviously, we've talked about the script and you guys inject like specific dances or things that you're going to do. Maybe this is a question for uh Kyle, how much time do the players have or take to learn, practice, uh, research dances, all of that sort of stuff? Yeah, I came here in 2018, a absolutely terrible dancer, (laughs) somewhat of average now, but I work a lot more diligently and hard, kind of like what you touched on earlier on that dancing piece, because I know that, you know, where we're at with all the platforms that we have and, you know, the spotlight that gets shined on us. You don't take that stuff seriously and you don't practice it like you practice baseball. Uh, first off, you're going to look a fool in front of yep. everybody in the live audience, <laughs> and then we're not going to get to put out content the way that we want to. Sure. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, and it's something that a lot of the players that we have now on both sides, on both rosters, are something that they're really taking pride in and really want to do something good because we want to, you know, every good piece of content that we can put out, it might be the first piece of content that somebody's seeing. 
And we want to be able to provide them with as much cool, unique, and fun making baseball fun content as we can. So it's been cool over the years to see people more and more bought into that and buying into the process of, you know, okay, this is the dance that I have to learn for tonight and I need to be very good at it. Another big one that we started this past year is something called the 322, yep. <laughs> um, which is the live dance that you guys see during the game. Oh, that's awesome. Mound, which is actually during the game. Yeah, it is. I actually got it tattooed on my wrist. That's commitment. Uh, it really it really hit stride um, on the last tour that we went on. And it was a really cool, really cool moment that we did. And we all decided to get it tattooed eventually just because of the overwhelming success we saw from it. And it was such a cool little thing that started and it was a little uh, niche group that started it and uh, both working entertainment and then the guys that ultimately made it happen on the field. You know, how far could we push the boundary? How long of a dance could I do and then turn around and throw a strike? Or if I do throw a strike after the dance, can the infielders and the center fielder that are playing behind me, can they make a play if the ball's hit into play? So all those are really cool. And a lot, a lot of that, you know, leading up to my day of starting a banana ball game good hour and a half, two hours is blocked off to getting with those guys and touching base with them and working on the three, two, two for that night. It's really important to call that out too. Of just saying like, this isn't stuff you just randomly throw together. Oh, let's just try it and see what happens. You're actually coming into it with a lot of careful study and practice of like, here's what will happen after I drop it low and then do a spin and then pitch. What happens if this ball gets knocked in the center? Where are we going to be? <laughs> that kind of careful planning while it's funny to say drop it low, is it's pivotal. It's huge. And I think that's something that's, again, a testament to you guys and your success, where you get to be that, uh, have that careful study and have that in- intentionality with everything you do. It's indicative, weirdly, of just John Wooden, the small things of like just tying your shoes the right way. And now like freshman players coming in, we just look at everybody else and go, are we really like learning how to tie our shoes? And it was, yeah, you're going to learn how to tie your shoes right because that's part of the game. Like, uh, like every little thing is huge. We're going, Maria. I don't know how, I don't know when, but we're going to a game. I think the three two two thing I did want to just mention too, and is sort of a comment is definitely my wife's favorite. And two, is there an age limit of who can participate? Say I have a good friend who once pitched ninety. He's not terrible. Could he just potentially just drive down to Savannah and maybe <laughs> just get try out? We've got the youngest guy who's uh, twenty one that walks on stilts, and we have. <laughs> Oldest being 75 that throws out of the bullpen. So if you fit or if you want to be an outlier on that timeline, <laughs> the more the merrier. If you can dance and pitch and be enthusiastic about it. That's awesome. I think one thing that's cool that you guys, the, the inside people like to know is from this entertainment and the player perspective of it is we try to break down the wall between player and fan. Yeah. But we also try to break down the wall between player and creative team. Yeah. And so on, on a lot of sports teams, the entertainment crew doesn't get to interact a whole lot with the players. It's kind of like the players are always off limits and we completely break down that wall. We have meetings together. We have social media team meetings together. They're in our dugout and locker room often very collaborative entertainment group uh, with the team. And we try to build that, but it starts at the top with Jesse, our owner, the guy in the yellow tux, right? (laughs) Um, He sets the tone with that. First and foremost, if you look at our mission vision, we make baseball fun. And then you have Jesse coming in every single day, talking about new ideas, creating idea paloozas. We have idea paloozas all the time in our organization where everybody's involved with coming up with ideas, which is really cool. And that's where you see a lot of these things happen. But the opportunity to be creative and use your creative 
opportunities is where a lot of these things really take off. We test about 10 or 15 different things every single game. So promos, uh, anything interacting with fans, we test about 10 or 15 things. And some of them are bad. <laughs> You're never going to know if it's bad unless you try it. That's true. That's, I was just going to ask you. Like, like, that is, um, you know, like he touched on from true. the top of the totem pole down. I think he's more okay with failing than anybody else. So it makes us really have a really big sense of freedom to, you know, how far can I push this boundary? And even if it's the worst thing in the world, then we can, you know, we'll cross that one off and we know not to do that one again. At least you're trying something, at least you're doing something. You know what I mean? There's people that are maybe afraid to like speak up or afraid to even try something yep. new. And that's where, that's where something really wonderful could spark and happen. And not maybe it isn't that idea, but it sparks another one. I mean, I think that kind of collaboration is enviable from not just an organization standpoint, but from like a, a business standpoint, if you're running a business or you really to encourage as much ideas as possible. And I love that. That's great. In the baseball world, it's all about, you know, you get so many at bats, you might swing and miss a ton of times, but you got to get back up there and keep swinging. You know, you, you're not going to hit that home run or hit that walk off hit without getting back in the box and continue swinging and continue getting in there and competing. And that's kind of the same process that we have with our entertainment team with the promos. So we're going to try things. Some work, some doesn't. And we'll keep the good ones and we'll move on from the bad ones. We'll learn from them. Well, I think there's been a ton of takeaways you know, for organizations, for admins, for parents, for coaches, I love that. You know, even for players for that matter. You mentioned that math study and the YouTube video. We're definitely going to put that in our show notes so people can hop in and take a look at that. Is there anything else, any other, you know, documentation, any other, you know, nuggets of wisdom that you'd like to share to people out there for how to, what's a good first step of just injecting fun into their organization or even something just uh, that's sort of a pillar of the, of the camp itself? I think a lot of times it goes back to, you know, we do, we do have that freedom, which is awesome. And it, it's allowed me to be creative in my own sense on, you know, first off growing um, my character, my brand is how I want to be seen on the field to these people that are coming to watch or the millions of people that are watching online. And then um, coinciding with that, you know, how can I have the creative freedom to make all these camps and everything exactly or as much as like I thought that I would want them to be as a young kid. It's so cool to have that platform. And I feel like every day I try to not take that for granted and not try to see how far I can push the boundary to make things great. That's always been so cool. And I think it's just, they've done such a great job creating a culture here and just slowly but surely bringing in all the right people from all kinds of different positions. And everybody's so willing to help from the top to the bottom. Yeah. So it's very cool to now be working with them going on my second year of working full time with them and getting to really see the ins and the outs of what makes the product what it is and just having a new felt um, appreciation and also just getting to be that segue between the front office and the players like uh, Gillen's talking about. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, as we get more and more years down the road with this, every player can have that kind of feeling that there is just complete cohesion between the front office and um, everybody that plays on the baseball team. And I think that's when it's going to get really, really special. Awesome. Yeah. I think the fans first entertainment piece is, is really important that a lot of people can take away is filtering, no matter if you're in business or anything that you're doing in life, fans first entertainment is our LLC name. And when we look at that, it's about how can you serve the people that are around you instead of either just looking at yourself all the time, but how can you go above and beyond and 
do something that nobody else is doing in business or just as a person, you know, friend to friend, like sending a, a personal video that happens a lot within our organization where instead of just sending a text, like we'll shoot a video to each other and say, Hey man, I appreciate you helping me out last week. That was awesome. Those little things, not a whole lot of people are doing those. Sure. Maybe it's a personal note that we send to each other. That happens a lot in our organization too, as well. But um, anybody that buys uh, a ticket gets a personal phone call. Uh, it, that's really hard to scale. Yeah. We've got about a half million fans on this tour, wow. but our front office will set apart um, time and they'll basically make phone call to phone call. So there's all these little touch points that can be really important about making people feel important, yeah. um, giving people kudos along the way. And so I, I think that's a really cool take from a culture standpoint. Yeah. That's incredible, actually, <laughs> to do all that, all that stuff. And I think it comes back to, and we've talked to a lot of people we've been lucky to speak with. And a lot of what they say as well is like the connection and relationship and humanness yeah. in, in life can often be kind of lost in, you know, trying to get to wherever you're trying to get to. Uh, but oftentimes when you look at organizations or people who make the most impact, it's because they take the time to do the little things like you were saying. So I love that personally, definitely going to take some of that back. Uh, but hopefully our, our listeners can as well. Yeah, absolutely. The fact that you got people that will call, like if someone buys a ticket is just, and it's, and it's not a robo dial, just, Hey, thank you so much, Simon, for you know what I mean? it's not just someone filling in. Actually, I got that because they'll do, it's not just the ticket team. It's, you know, everybody yeah. jumps on board and do those. And I actually forgot about Ian, Bill being the first two full-time players, you know, we put out all these camp lists and um, do the same calls for that. But, you know, in the off season, if we're not training for baseball or uh, pushing out camps or registrations and stuff, everybody gets a call list from those tickets because we've got plenty of those. And I can't tell you how many funny phone calls each department's making them. So you get a different experience, whether you get <laughs> somebody from tickets or somebody from marketing oh, that's or awesome. if you get Kyle from, you know, the bananas team, just thanking them for tickets. I can't tell you, you know, I didn't get to make a whole lot of calls because usually our calls lasted a little bit longer than other people. <laughs> there we have you here. I've got a few thoughts. Well, too, I, I can't remember, you know, there was a couple calls during that off season that people, not me or Bill, just people made, you know, ended up being on there for an hour and a half, two hours. Just, <laughs> so just awesome. Hey, you know, people want to be heard and them feel important. And if you can walk away yeah. and you make three calls at two hours a piece, you know, you made three people feel very important and probably made them a lifelong fan. Well, guys, I know, I know we're going to throw, uh, you know, a bunch in the show notes here too, and definitely some information towards the, the camps and clinics. Are there any, you know, specific dates or things that our, our dear listeners, they should keep in mind when they, uh, when they look up the camps? Camps-wise, yeah, they're all on sale. All the camps for 2023 are on sale on our website under the camps portion at the top. We're doing 13 total camps for 2023 that intermingle with our time off on the tour. So whenever we have a couple collective days here in Savannah is whenever we map those out. We have one-day, two-day, and four-day camps. And all the four-day and the two-day camps have sold out. And now we're waiting on probably half of the one-day camps. Wow. We have five to 10 spots left. So all those are available on the website. We're fortunate enough to have people. I've been getting emails, you know, people coming, making trips from California and Montana, Texas, and Utah, and Arizona, and all these places just, you know, we couldn't get our hands on tickets, but we really wanted them to be a part of the Bananas experience in some way. So we're making a weekend trip to uh, to bring little Johnny or little Sally down to camp in Savannah. And that's I think so that's, cool. been, that's been a very touching thing. And it, it's a really driving force to make sure you don't you never know who's going to come to camp or who's going to come to a game. 
So to always bring your best and make it as fun as possible. You guys are, here we go, Marie, ready for the title? Frontiersman of fun. <laughs> a little bit of alliteration in there. We're going to throw that out there. You guys, thank you so much uh, for being on. You know, we've got one last thing for you and I threw on the glasses just for it. We're going to do uh, this or that. It's going to be nine rapid fire questions and we need answers at a rapid fire pace. So there's no thinking. It's gut reactions only. Don't be distracted by these. Focus. Yep. Okay, let's do this. First one, nachos or soup? Nachos. Soup. Is it pronounced gif or jif? Gif. Jif. Cups in the cupboard, are they right side up or upside down? Upside down. How are you putting them away? Right side up. Kickball or dodgeball? Dodgeball. I like kickball. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to throw out, they've answered yeah. every single question opposite of each other. Sunflower seeds or bubble gum? Sunflower seeds. Keep it. Let's go. Gum. <laughs> <laughs> Sandlot or Field of Dreams? Sandlot. Yeah, I'll probably have to go Sandlot. Nice. All right, which would you prefer to steal home or an inside the park home run? Thousand percent steal home. I'm cheating yeah. here. Yeah, he's big. Green light special. I'm all about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I'm audible third option. Perfect game. <laughs> nice. Good. Nice. Good. We'll take that. Game winning home run or a game winning home run saving catch? Home run. Yeah, the walk off home run. Right I'll on. Hit anymore, but home run. Okay. Last one. You get to draft one major league ball player to join the bananas for a season. Who are you picking? Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Probably Baez is who I would go with, but oh, the higher person Javi. I'm going with is Tim Dillard, broadcaster of yeah. the Brewers, former <laughs> minor league, major league player. Did you say the Brewers? Yeah, the former broadcaster of the Brewers. We got more things for the show notes. We'll throw that in there too. <laughs> the more you know. Outstanding. Uh, you guys are just absolute gems as far as people go and true frontiersmen of fun. We're going to double down on that. Like that. Well done. Thank you guys so much for hopping on, being a part of the For the Love of Sport podcast. Any other parting words, quotes? Whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> just here so I won't get fined. Awesome. Appreciate All you guys. Right, thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Each month in partnership with True Sport, we highlight one athlete of the month. And this month we have got a good one. Meet Eli Diaz. On the surface, he is calm, quiet, and even quirky. But deep down, Eli holds passion, integrity, and accountability for his team close to his heart. And Eli was all business when it comes to the sport he loves and in an interview that he had with a True Sport ambassador. And we even put Eli through the this or that gauntlet. So I'm going to share a few nice. of his answers. Yeah. So when given the choices um, between forward or defender, Eli went forward uh, between two soccer drills. So guard the castle or a four on three attacking drill. He picked the four on three, sure. uh, clearly an attacker at heart, mm -hmm. uh, water or sports drinks. He went water. Really? Interesting what a guy. I know. Wow. I know. On a vacation, would he rather fly or do a road trip? He wants the road trip. Sure. Is he always late or always early? I'm glad he picked. He's always early. Oh, man. This guy. He's going places. Send a text or make a phone call. Definitely a text. <laughs> and then last, the all-time question for any soccer player, Cristiano Ronaldo or Lionel Messi? Oh, wow. And he picked, Simon, what did you think he went with? Oh, gosh. Maybe Messi? I'm going to go Messi? 
He went Ronaldo. Wow. He went okay. Ronaldo. Yeah, so. They're both goats. It's all, right both on. Great. Right on, Eli. Uh, and as a recent highlight, he currently plays for BBB, which I mentioned, and he recently scored eight goals Whoa. in his last tournament between three Whoa. games. That's a golden That's boot. That's impressive, Eli. That's golden worthy. Well done. Well done. Well done, Eli. Do you know a youth athlete making a difference in their sport and beyond? To nominate an athlete, make sure you head to sportsengine.com slash athlete of the month. Selected athletes will be connected with a true sport ambassador, like, let's say, Chris Master or Team USA Olympic weightlifter, Abby Raymond. They'll be interviewed and featured on sportsengine.com. They will receive a keepsake athlete of the month t-shirt, and they will be shouted out by yours truly here on the For the Love of Sport podcast. Eli, you are the man. It's fun seeing how someone who has never heard of Savannah Bananas, like somehow, you know, like my dad, for instance, yeah. like when we told him who they, uh, who was coming on our show and how my level of excitement, he was like, who are the Savannah Bananas? <laughs> and my dad's Ken Burns baseball, like historical, yeah. like played when he was a kid, like very much a purist for just like the game and loves the game of baseball. Uh, seeing like what they're doing and the level of fun they're bringing and how they're changing the game and how that's just so infectious and fun and how much success they're having seeing him just get a little not weepy but definitely just (laughs) have a have a moment to himself oh this is really special and amazing and how that completely shifted his mindset that's super unique and indicative of, of these guys too they're doing such amazing work yeah i mean it's hard not to when you actually see the impact of i guess if you were to just kind of see or pass by and say oh that's oh they're dancing during a baseball game that's kind of odd but then you kind of turn it around and you look at the fans and the engagement and how entertaining it is and how much the kids are bought into it and how that's gonna uh, ultimately create like a lifelong passion for probably for baseball probably for sport in general and anytime you can do that and inject like a little bit of fun or entertainment in a way that's completely they could be doing much worse things than yeah. going to a game and watching baseball players dance. I'm just, yeah. <laughs> and so I think, I don't know, it's cool and it's hard not to, you know, be a little like, dang, they got something really special going on. It, it's, uh, it's hard not to see that uh, yeah. no matter what your stance is. It's hard to be cynical about it because I know it's so fun sometimes, but it's so easy to not like something. It's so easy oh, just yeah. to take a contrarian view. Oh, I don't really like it that much. It's impossible to do when you see someone genuinely inject so much fun and passion into something like that. You can't help but just enjoy it. You can't help but yeah. just want to be involved or at least just be a, a passive viewer. It's really great to see that level. And it's a nice reminder too for everybody, just inject some fun. Yeah. Yes. Into your organization. Yep. Even if it's a small little thing, you don't have to, you know, do dance breaks in the middle of, of a game, but, you know, do something unique and inject some fun and own it, own that fun, embrace it. Absolutely. It, 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 you're not going to, you're not going to find a lot of people on the, on the sidelines, like with folded arms, like going harumph. <laughs> and even if they wanted to, uh, as mentioned, <laughs> they are pretty much sold out of all their tickets. So clearly yeah. they are doing just fine, even if you want to be a hater. So yeah, they were great. Savannah Bananas. <laughs> Hope you all enjoyed that. Yeah. Anywho. Yeah. This has been this another <laughs> episode of For the Love of Sport. Uh, as always, send over all the emails to us at ftlospod at nbcuni.com. We love hearing from you, dear listener. Don't shy away from asking, posing us a question, sending us your this or that. Uh, and if we don't know the answer to your question, odds are our guests that we have on absolutely will. Yes, we sure do love hearing from you. And this lovely little old podcast uh, is brought to you by Sports Engine, the home of you sports. We've got a fantastic team that works behind the scenes to help Simon and myself host this thing and come on and share with you all. Our sound engineer, I'm going to go reverse order. Oh, wow, Our sound okay. engineer yeah. is Troy Stone. 
our uh, wonderful interns who have been helping to produce and promote this are Joe Brazonic and Billy Kopka. And then our fantastic marketing team of one, Kelsey Irwin. <laughs> Small but mighty team Kelsey. that helps put this together. We thank you guys so much. And we will be back in a few weeks with another awesome episode. So stay tuned. See you soon. Hey. We back. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.